Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. You know, we're in draft week. I'll give you a rant, my famous Aaron Rodgers story I tell every year. But what a show we have today. It just came out over the weekend that the first NFL player that's going to accept his entire salary in Bitcoin this year has been announced. He was embargoed until today, and it came out. His name is Sean Culkin of the Kansas City Chiefs accepting his entire salary in Bitcoin. I thought it was a fascinating story as we're on the cusp of something very different. And the same day, Trevor Lawrence, cryptocurrency endorsement with Blockfolio, a lot going on in this space that a lot of people like me aren't too invested in, but I'm learning. I'm learning. And what better way to learn than have on, on the first day it's announced, the first player in NFL history to take his entire salary in Bitcoin. That's coming up. What a show we have today. First, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. For some, the NFL drafts the most exciting day of the seasons. For others, a chance to build on last year's success. Whether your team has the first pick or the last, DraftKings is bringing the excitement of the draft to you. Now you can get $50,000 up for grabs. So their pools are easy to play. Just download the DraftKings app. Go to Pools. Choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. It's hosting a draft night-specific pool, questions ranging from who will be picked before whom, all the way to you think a team will trade a pick in the first round. So download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code ROSS to enter a free draft pool with $50,000 in prizes up for grabs. That's promo code ROSS to get a free shot at $50,000 in total prizes only at DraftKings. See eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, my rant for the week is the NFL draft. Here we go. Every year, it seems to get a lot of intrigue. It's amazing the buzz that goes around the NFL draft. A couple things about this draft first. This idea that the San Francisco 49ers traded from the 12th spot to the third spot where the Miami Dolphins were before and didn't know who they're going to take, to me, is really far-fetched. Come on, please. They traded two number ones and switched number ones with the Dolphins. So basically, it's like two and a half number ones to go from 12 to three. And they're doing this for who? For obviously a quarterback. We don't know who, but come on, they know who. They've given more in draft capital than the Bears did for Khalil Mack, than the Rams did for Jalen Ramsey, than the Texans did for Laramie Tunzel. Those are all two number ones. Two number ones, they give up more than two number ones to get this player. We assume he's a quarterback and we assume they know who he is. Now there's all this talk from the 49ers and people outside the 49ers saying, well, they don't know. They like three guys. Even Kyle Shannon saying today, we like five guys. Well, if they like five guys, they should have traded less than a number one to get to the number eight pick, not the number three pick. So this is all over the place. And this just shows you the subterfuge and the BS that's out there throughout. Maybe, just maybe, they moved up knowing one guy, but then they've gone to some draft uh, workout days and pro days and all this stuff, and they like someone else. That, to me, seems a little far-fetched, too, because they did this for one guy. And now if they're not doing it for the same guy, then really they gave up too much. They did. They gave up too much to get to a spot to take one guy, but they really like another guy. Now, again, if this player turns out to be all pro, it's fine. And now they're saying Jimmy G, they don't know if he'll be around. Well, he won't be around if they get a decent offer. If they don't get a decent offer, I guess they'll be around. I guess he will. Who cares? Who knows? 
And then, of course, speaking of taking quarterbacks, it was 16 years ago the other day that we took Aaron Rodgers. I tell this every year, but people are interested. This was the ultimate present versus future selection. So we had about 16, 18 players rated as first-round grades that night. Two things happened that night. All 16 or 18, whatever the number is, except one, were gone. We wanted DeMarcus Ware, gone, Cowboys. We wanted Marcus Spears, gone, Cowboys. We wanted Derek Johnson, the linebacker, gone, Chiefs. We wanted even David Pollock, gone, Brangles. All these players are gone, and then we're looking at the board and only has one name up there. Now we see what's going to happen. We've got the most durable quarterback in the history of the game. His name is Brett Favre. He never missed a play. We don't need a quarterback, and our coaches are going nuts. We can't do this because coaches need someone that can help right away. The immediacy of coaching, they're going to be judged. And then we've got management or personnel looking at me and saying to me when I ask, Andrew, what do we always say? Trust the board. So we got Aaron on the phone. I kept him there because I called his agent. I kept his agent waiting 13 minutes. We had 15 back then. Poor guy sitting in the green room. The, the caterers are tapping their feet. Everybody's gone except him. And we finally wait, and we see if the phone rings. That phone never rang. It was crickets. I can imagine now if that phone rang, the NFL would look like different these last 16 years. We took him. There was a Lambeau Field party below us. It was thundering booze. It shook our souls. It was like an earthquake, the booing that went on below us. Brett called the coach. He was unhappy. Brett's agent called me. He was unhappy. Aaron couldn't have been happy coming to a place that's cold where he's not going to play. No one was happy. And this not only draft night, this for three years. I dealt with Brett's side saying it sucks to come into work every day and have to sit next to your replacement. I dealt with Aaron's side saying, is he ever going to play? Is Brett ever going to retire? And this is what teams have to manage. The rest of the world goes on, criticizes the pick as everyone did and on and on, but you have to manage these things. That's what's tough. So that was the Aaron Rodgers story. Obviously, it worked out. It's interesting talking about player workouts these days and skipping off-season workouts. What really convinced us we could turn the franchise over to Aaron Rodgers was those off-season workouts, those two years when Brett would go down to Mississippi. Aaron got the keys to the team, and we saw over that period and had receivers coming up to us and saying, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. So we saw that. Uh, those two seasons where he ran the team for those 10, 12-week off-seasons and finally turned the keys over to him. But no one knows. I mean, no one, we didn't know Aaron Rodgers become Aaron Rodgers. Of course not. But that's the way it is. And the draft is, as everyone says, an inexact science. They'll be busted. We have all these quarterbacks this year. Some will be good players, like if you look two years ago, like Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Some will not be. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold now on his second team. And every year, Jared Goff, new team, Carson Wentz, new team, Jameis Winston, new team, Marcus Mariotti, new teams. It happens. And these are at the top of the draft. So imagine the hit rate going down as we do. So, But the interest level is off the charts. Now we have uh, live in person compared to the Zoom last year. I'll have the commissioner hugs. Everybody get excited about it. Frankly, I'm glad I'm not working in the NFL anymore. The draft weekend is so slow. There's such little action. Most of it's waiting around and everyone eats. And I gained so much weight during draft weekend. I didn't want to do it anymore. Okay. That's it for my rants. Let's hear from Cuts Clothing. You go back to 2016. The founder, Steve Borelli, he wanted to create clothes ready for every occasion the modern man faces. The only shirt worth wearing, as GQ says, it's soft, it's a tri-blend tee, and it's the perfect t-shirt. 
they also have a hoodie. It's a French terry fabric. It's temperature controlled, really fits well. Or they have the polo. It keeps you fitted for the office, the golf course, home, gym, your next date, whatever it may be. Each piece of clothing designed with custom engineered fabric fits me great. I'm very active. I enjoy wearing Cuts clothing. It's not just a lifestyle. It's not just clothing. It's office leisure apparel for the sport of business. That works well. Get 15% off your first order by going to CutsClothing.com slash BOS. That's CutsClothing.com slash BOS for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. Cuts Clothing for the sport of business in the Business of Sports podcast. fits well. Okay, now we're going to get to our special guest, the first NFL player taking his entire salary, $920,000 in Bitcoin. He's very educated. He's very informed. Pleasure to have on the show. Here he comes of the Kansas City Chiefs tight end, Sean Colkin. Sean, welcome to the program. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, this is one exciting thing because it's interesting because a few months ago, someone I know uh, well, Russell Okung, now with the Panthers, took... I believe half of his multi-million dollar salary in Bitcoin. And I kind of thought, hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah. Don't understand it as well as I should. And then I see the news today, here Monday, April 26th, that you will take the entirety of your 2021 base salary, which is $920,000 in Bitcoin. And I'm just going to give you a blank canvas, Sean. Tell us how this came to be and why you're doing this. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's a, a long story, you know, that led up to me obviously choosing to, uh, make such a, an investment of this magnitude. Um, you know, I guess I can kind of start back to my college days. Um, my, uh, my sophomore year, I just switched to finance. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to study at Mizzou. And, um, at the same time, my dad, um, was always, a uh, a gold, he was a gold bug, right? He, he, he thought gold was a, a really good um, and attractable investment asset class. And so I was exposed, you know, early on in college to his philosophies and why on a macro standpoint, he liked gold. And as maybe you know, or will know, um, there, you know, there's a lot of overlap in the stories of uh, Bitcoin and gold. But just, you know, through my journey in college, I just found out that, man, I love finance. And I knew that, that one day football will end, whether that is in two years or 10 years, you know, whenever that comes. So I knew then that I wanted to really take advantage of that education. And my senior year, I ended up being, um, you get a, a, a very, pretty, uh, competitive internship at uh, site of in Columbia, Missouri in my summers because of football at shelter insurance. And, um, it's a, a Midwestern insurance company in 14 States that 5 billion in float, wow. 4 billion in fixed income and 1 billion in equity. And I was the equity research analyst. And so I'd be sitting on Bloomberg and just researching and, and between meetings, I'd be, I'd wake up, I'd go work, I go to uh, workouts, meetings, come back and go to work. And then I'm also studying for the CFA, the Charter Financial Analyst um, at the time. So between football, school, my job and uh, social, um, you know, activities, you know, I was, you know, kind of gearing myself up to where if I don't get an opportunity at the next level, I'm, I'm met for Wall Street. You know, I, I'm built for it. I'm, I can go do those 80, 90, 100 hour plus work weeks 
and uh, be ready to do that in a, at a high optimal level. And, but I knew I had to, um, you know, give football a go. Right. And, but the, throughout all of it, finance was just a passion of mine. So one thing in NFL that, you know, I, I try to encourage players to utilize their off season is, man, we have an occupation where we have a lot of free time yeah. and we have, we have to take care of our bodies and prevent injury and make us, you know, continue to be conditioned and stronger. But we have a lot of free time to invest in ourselves and, you know, learn new skill sets and, you know, kind of prepare for when football ends. So for me, finance and economics was just a hobby and whether or not I was doing it for a job, my off seasons, I still would always research it because I just liked it and really enjoyed it. I don't watch a lot of TV. I read a lot of books and I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, over time, especially, I mean, so I guess, yeah, I ended up being teammates with Russell Kuhn and we had a couple conversations, you know, over the years, right. Really good debates and in, in the locker room. And it was really um, neat to hear, you know, his uh, intellectual curiosity in regarding Bitcoin. And so that kind of, you know, crypto in general just was a, an asset class on the side that just kept this, you know, hey, think about me, man. I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger, even though I'm more so focused on traditional um, finance at the time. And when March 2020 hit, obviously that was a really, um, you know, terrible time for the world. And I kind of saw what was needed to keep, um, you know, small businesses and corporations solvent and how that's continued on through fiscal and um, monetary policies and just, you know, the expansion of the the money supply and how that fits into what, how should I position myself um, with my portfolio? And I still never bought Bitcoin. This is, you know, March all the way through because uh, I'm at the time, I'm still trying to get healthy. I just had an Achilles injury and I was mm. trying to get back in the league and it was an up and down uh, experience for me. So a lot of my focus was still trying to get back. And I went to Baltimore, learning a new playbook, all my time, you know, in season, you don't really, you know, right. have the time or energy to, you know, should I buy Bitcoin or not? <laughs> um, but then towards the end of the season, I had a high ankle sprain and I was out a few weeks. And so I had a little bit more time on my hands to kind of, and this is when Bitcoin started to kind of really, you know, explode. And, you know, with anything in life, I think to have, um, certain interests and, um, you know, soul in the game is to have, you know, skin in the game to risk capital. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, you can trade stocks with fake money and get a hundred K and see how you do. And you wake up and it's a month later and you haven't looked at that in, you know, weeks. So I bought a little bit, I don't know, I think it was, you know, one, two, maybe 3000, less than $5,000, but I had some skin in the game. Right. So, and then I just completely immersed myself in the crypto space, specifically Bitcoin, and just wanted to learn and educate myself. And through time, I just developed a level of conviction where, you know, I'm looking at how is this going to play out, you know, given the current thesis that I had for the next, you know, five, eight years, you know, a decade or longer. And it just seemed like all the solutions were pointing towards Bitcoin. So 
I was like, man, like, why not get paid, you know, for my services in the league and something that over time is becoming less, you know, risky and less, uh, um, you know, uh, it it just had some bad, you know, stereotypes, you know, for the longest time. And it's still speculative and there's still, you know, uncertainty and it's volatile. But the more you learn about it, you realize, um, you know, the volatility doesn't necessarily equate to risk when you look at the big picture. And for me, this is a long-term play and I wanted to be paid in sound money um, this coming season. So yeah, that's kind of my story from the beginning to this very moment right now. Can you explain to me what you just meant? Those two words you just used, sound money. Yeah. And why you chose this form of payment over what everyone else does, which is yeah. cash or whatever. What do we call it? <laughs> cash or fiat? Fiat. Fiat is cash, fiat. right? Okay. Um, fiat. There's the language. Yeah. So, so it, it, you know, when I think of sound money, I think of, um, and there's a lot of podcasts on this too. A lot of this is my thoughts, but this is also just a accumulation of listening to other people talk. Um, so if I don't necessarily highlight them, um, I do want to acknowledge that. But, you know, when I think of sound money, I think going back to supply and demand, what is going to maintain its store of value across time? So if you look at over, you know, thousands of years, you know, gold over time became viewed as hard, sound money because of its properties. So, you know, back in the day, they would, um, you know, you know, somebody that had centralized power would take all the gold and maybe start to strip away some of the gold, right? And like issue new coins, increasing the supply. And the funny thing is they would drop the coin and it made a certain sound. So that's like, what would they, they, they would, you know, be able to tell when is this how, the the same amount of gold that it's had historically based off the sound of it dropping. So that there's a link there. But when I think of sound money, I think what can hold its value across time and space? So gold is a great example of a currency or, or an asset, sorry, that has hold its, held its value across thousands of years. But it's, it's hard. It's not, it's not very easy to make transactions, right? Like if I wanted to send, you know, an institution, um, wanted to send say like a billion dollars overseas or to internationally, you know, it's very hard to do that. There's high cost to, uh, storing it. So it doesn't necessarily hold value across space. Whereas, you know, if you look at uh, fiat and dollars, like we can have, you know, barter and a good medium of exchange very easily. But so it has value that can be transferred across space. But if you look at it historically across time, it's been debased based off the current system that we operate in, in an inflationary environment. So, you know, in 1971, when, when we went off the gold standard and you saw, I think, you know, if you had a million dollars in 1971, the equivalence of that today in regards to what that could purchase and its purchasing power is I think you needed $6.5 million. So it doesn't transfer value across time. It loses it through inflation. When I look at Bitcoin, it is the only asset that has the properties of storing value and, and transferring it across time and space because it has the properties of gold, but it can be so, the scalability, the functionality of it because of the technological components make it so much better and a more attractive asset given the current 
environment that we live in today when you look at the advancements technologically? You have a contract denominated in dollars. I mentioned the number, you know, it's public out there, $920,000. The Kansas City Chiefs have that on their books, right? And they have that in their cap and their whole financial system. So when you are paid, explain that to us. It will be, it will be converted. I don't know if that's the right yeah. word from fiat to Bitcoin. Yeah. So, so conversion, um, converted is the right term. Um, I wanted to make that clear. Like when it came to me and my agents um, approaching the chiefs payroll yep. department and legal department, you know, philosophically they were so on board, you know, and understanding. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll send this to whatever routing and bank account number that you desire, and knowing that it's going to be converted in Bitcoin. But we wanted to make it known we are paying you in USD for your services, and you are converting it through your own doing to Bitcoin. Right. So for me. It's through the partnership, or not, yeah, I guess you call it partnership, um, with Strike, where they are basically instantaneously taking, and Jack Mollers is the CEO and such an incredible guy. And what he's doing, it's, it's pretty incredible, honestly. But um, so they're taking the payments um, from the Chiefs and instantaneously converting to Bitcoin um, on chain. So, and, and you mentioned uh, Jack Mollers and Strike. Uh, maybe the, this is too technical for our audience. How is that done? How are you paid in dollars? And is this an app that converts it? Yeah, I, I don't want to misspeak and um, wrongly explain the whole yeah. process. But, you know, intuitively, I would think, you know, they are, I'm going to provide um, a, a routing and banking account number that they operate with. And, and they would then receive payment from the chiefs and fiat and immediately use fiat to buy. Okay. And as any transaction buyer and seller and somebody will be selling Bitcoin as we buy. And I guess that's how it would unfold, right? Yeah. I'm really encouraged to hear what you said, Sean, about the chiefs, because I can having worked in the NFL for 10 years, I know that, Sometimes we're not dealing with the most progressive organizations where anything yeah. new or anything that quote unquote hasn't been the way we've done things is met with resistance. Uh, so it's, it's refreshing really to hear you say that the chiefs, both legal staff and accounting staff uh, was on board with this and their management. Um, and again, we understand it. Let's make clear they're not paying you in Bitcoin. They're paying you in fiat, as you said, in dollars, and then it's being transferred. But just their willingness to do this, number one, it's, it's refreshing. And number two, it sets what I think is a precedent for other teams to now look at and say, okay, the Chiefs did this, they got this done, and we know Russell Okun did it earlier. Uh, so, yeah, there's no... We have early adapters is what I'm saying. Yeah. And because we do, there's going to be less resistance from other teams. Yeah. I think you're, you, you make a really good point. Um, you know, you've kind of seen it over time. Um, I know, uh, I think his name, Ramadine, Ramadive from the owner with the, the right. King. Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Mark Cuban has been pretty bullish yeah. on his statements regarding crypto and accepting those for, you know, in stadium, uh, current, uh, services and, um, you know, I think you're starting to see a shift, right, with the introduction of cryptocurrencies and the the smart contracts within um, 
you know, that DeFi space and utilization of blockchain and the NFT component mm-hmm. of it, right? And obviously you saw Tom Brady um, and, you know, Gronk and what's going on there. So it's something to be, you know, I think at this point, like if you think it's just, if you're, if, the, if you know, you're so dogmatic to just be like, man, that stuff's crazy. And like, it's not going to exist as a bubble. I think you have to just really sit down and ask yourself, like, look at history and look what's happened with technology. I think there was probably doubters before, you know, that um, would never think that a computer system that was, you know, the whole size of a desk is now a fashion statement, you know, that we have in our pockets. Um, I don't think people, you know, thought that we would have a car that can travel extremely fast and not run on gasoline at all. And also it being autonomous <laughs> driving, right? Like I just got a Tesla uh, a month ago and a lot of my commute to Orange County for his physical therapy is, um, you know, on the highway. And it's pretty incredible how it kind of takes driving out of the situation. <laughs> and I feel safer, honestly, being an autopilot than me at the hand mm. on the wheel, um, on the highway at least. And I think you know, it's fair to say, like, this is here to stay. You know, it's uh, an asset that has, I don't know any other, uh, many other assets that have grown to a trillion dollar market cap in such a little time and have also in the process of that dip 30, 40, 50% and has been labeled, you know, a, a Ponzi scheme and a hoax and, you know, it's going to zero. But yet here we are at, you know, now near time, near all time highs, but it's, uh, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, you talked about the valuations and I know it's been up and down lately and I think it hit a number over 63, 64, 65, and now it's in 54 or something. But there was something about, uh, one of the reasons, at least what I'm reading is it did dip a little bit because potential treatment of capital gains by the new Biden tax structure Mm-hmm. or taxed as an asset or a currency. Is that something you've talked about with your representatives and, and how it's treated tax-wise? Um, no, I made this decision, um, or at least knew, you know, I'd be making this decision today before that news came out. Yeah, I don't really see how it can actually affect, um, you know, the situation. I, I know it's viewed as pro- uh, property, um, and, and the code, you know, has some, uh, similarities to, um, this, you know, protection of our speech, honestly, and how they classify it. Um, but when it comes to taxes, I don't think it's any different than say stocks or any other, um, transaction with your investments. If you make a short-term, you know, trade and pay ordinary income tax versus long-term um, I mean, there's a couple of ways to think about that, right? It's, you know, I'm thinking about it now, but, you know, are you incentivized now to hold it because the long, the capital gains tax, you know, long-term is now right. basically the same as short-term? Like, does that make you just never want to sell or does it make you want to start trading more frequently? Because what's the benefit from having long-term, you know, investments if you're not going to see um, a benefit tax-wise? Um, but for me with my plan, I don't plan to ever sell my Bitcoin. I look at it as generational, um, a generational play Mm -hmm. that I link towards real estate and, 
in a way. And I would rather, you know, the strategy right now is expenses and fiat in the currency that's depreciating against a currency slash asset that is increasing at 200% a year. And I, I do not plan on ever selling my Bitcoin. I'd rather collateralize it and have a, a loan and fiat to cover expenses than to sell and pay capital gains tax. So for me, I wasn't really, you know, uh, impacted in, in any way from that news. So does that mean, and I know we hear about athletes all the time that live off their endorsements, and I don't know if you have a lot of endorsements, but does that mean you're going to live off your your fiat money in terms of paying your your rent or mortgage or your expenses that you have and have yeah. the Bitcoin? As you just said, the Bitcoin just sort of stay out there as a, a long-term play. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously a, a part of making this decision, you know, was looking at my current wealth, you know, from playing in the league for four years, um, my current expenses and kind of seeing like in the worst case scenario in that model, how did it look? And in the best case scenario, how does it look? But, you know, at some point, unless I'm this, um, you know, I'd really have to look at the, the, the actual amount of what I get just saying like dividend paying stocks and I, my fixed income that I still have, right. um, you know, in theory, you know, even if Bitcoin just, you know, goes perfectly as I expect. Like at some point, I, the cash will, you know, I will be in a crunch where I have to still cover expenses. Um, you know, and I'll just cover that, you know, bridge when I get to it. Um, I don't foresee myself. I don't, I don't think selling and trimming profits from Bitcoin and paying taxes is the optimal solution. I think I'd rather um, collateralize it, like I said. And the interest that I pay, also on having that loan like would be small in comparison to the appreciation of Bitcoin. Um, so I've asked about the teams, which we'll see if you're sort of uh, other teams get involved with this, but I guess the question for you, I, I always thought about right away is what about other players? What about teammates? Yeah. What about friends? Uh, you've getting a little attention today from this news. And I know it's on the same day. We should mention that Trevor Lawrence uh, the presumptive number one pick this week in the draft is taking a endorsement deal in crypto only. Um, so it's quite a day <laughs> for that, but yeah, I, I, that was not expected on my end. Like I kind of just woke up and, Oh, so we're doing, it's, it's going to be a little bit, maybe a little bit more, <laughs> you know, spicy <laughs> with that news. So, yeah, I guess my question was other teammates, friends, players, and other teams, players, you know, from college, whatever it may be saying, Hey, Sean, I want to do this. Are, are you getting some of that? Some of that today? Yeah, I am. Um, yeah. a lot actually, Andrew. Uh, it, it's crazy out just by me, um, kind of speaking my thoughts on Twitter. Um, over the last you know couple of months, you know whether it got traction or not. Like it wasn't about that for me. Um, but in doing that and. <clears throat> I've had people just reach out to me because, you know, in every locker room that I've kind of been in, um, especially for a longer period of time and especially going back to Mizzou, like I've always been kind of labeled as the finance guys and kind of, people kind of knew um, that I would, you know, be in this space in some capacity whenever football is done. So as I've kind of shifted that rhetoric towards Bitcoin, um, 
you know, I've definitely had more people being like, well, hey, like, how do I buy it first off? You know, right. like, I think the, it's not like you just go to your financial advisor if you have one that's be like, hey, buy me Bitcoin. Um, you know, there is a process to it. And, you know, finding the right exchange and something that you are, you know, comfortable with and, you know, also understand the risk of the beauty of decentralization, but with great, um, you know, with great uh, value comes, you know, a lot of, you know, responsibility for self-sovereignty and self-custody. And, but that's definitely increased. And I think it's going to continue to increase, you know, today, this like looking at my, my Twitter you know, and seeing some of the people that follow me, people that I've, you know, looked up to and never really thought that they'd be following me, you know, and uh, kind of been in the same room. And um, can you share some of those names? I know that just right before I hear, I think it was Zach, Zach Miller um, just followed me, which I thought was, you know, obviously I loved watching him play. I mean, he's one of the better tight ends of playing the game. And now it looked like in his bio, he's a financial advisor. And I saw he just followed me. I'm like, man, that's cool. And, um, <laughs> Oh uh, gosh, what's uh, gosh, I'm th- I'm misplacing her name. Um, Campbell. Uh, it was the 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 movie, um, the surfing movie, where the the female uh, uh had her arm bit off by the shark. Um, Nev yeah. Campbell. Is it Nev Campbell? No. Um, yeah. Gosh, what was it? Let me see. <laughs> up real quick. Two seconds. Oh, Bethany Hamilton. Oh, Bethany um, Hamilton. The surfer. Yeah, that- yeah, the surfer, the surfer. Yeah, from the shark attack. So I, you know, I saw a man, Bethany Hamilton, just followed me. Like she must have some interest in Bitcoin, I would, you know, assume. But uh, you know, it's been enough to where, um, you know, it's 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 got to be there. And I think it, you're going to start to see more people at least, you know, do their own due diligence and learn um, about the asset yeah. and decide for themselves, right? And I think more athletes and not just football, but other sports are going to start, you know, wanting to have their salaries, you know, regardless of how much that allocation is in uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. And I think there'll be a booming business, as you said, for someone like Zap and Jack Mahler's for these conversion from fiat to Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. As, as you and I have talked about, I don't know if these teams are going to be progressive enough besides maybe Mark Cuban's Mavericks to actually pay in crypto. Um, or they're actually like physically owning it and delivering. Yeah. Um, yeah that, you know, I wonder, you know, if, yeah. when we'd get there. Are there any other um, cryptos that have either interested you or, or piqued your curiosity besides Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. There's been, um, you know, when I first started doing, it, I think also like this full of transparency is always the best solution. Um, this is kind of how I operate. So, um, when I first started buying, I also bought, um, I don't know, it wasn't a lot of Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I bought an Ethereum in 2021. It was all in December. Um, it wasn't much either, but you know, obviously right off the bat, you hear, you hear Bitcoin and Ethereum, those being the top two. And obviously as I, you know, do more research and learn, like you get exposed to other, you know, uh, digital assets that um, have some upside to them, right? That are interesting that, you know, feel that they add a different, uh, you know, dimension and value that Bitcoin maybe doesn't offer. And, you know, some of them are, they're interesting, but I think as you, there's trade-offs, right? So for me, um, 
decentralization and scarcity are the properties that I find so attractable. Yeah. And with scalability and maybe increasing the transaction transactions that can be made, um, you know, you kind of, you try, you know, you, you give up some of that, the, those properties. And, you know, obviously I kind of linked it. I was trying to tell, um, I think it was my girlfriend, this, like, are there certain digital assets that will outperform Bitcoin in the near term? Like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, I, I'm sure there might be one that just has, you know, higher network um, effect and more adoption and the price will appreciate more. But like with any um, higher return usually equates to some sort of risk, right? And I don't think I would ever make, like, I know that if I made a decision today saying, you know, Ethereum or other crypto uh, currencies, I would, um, I'd be kind of <laughs> stressed out. <laughs> like, I think that that would be a little bit too much risk for my, um, you know, doing. So I look at Bitcoin as like digital gold is store value. It's, it's, um, I don't view this as a high risk, um, decision. And, you know, I like, it's, you know, when you buy an ETF, like, could you have put all your money in one, you know, specific stock and outperformed for sure. Yeah. But could that also go to zero? Right. So that's kind of how I analyzed, um, and what asset to, the asset to choose. And, um, I just find so much, uh, hope in Bitcoin truly. You mentioned ETFs. I'm going to bring up the other, the other three letter acronym that you mentioned earlier. So NFTs, um, we're in an NFT craze. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, I don't get it, you know, buying an image of something. And like you said earlier, a lot of things people don't get or didn't get at the time, you know, like Jackson Pollock looks like he threw paint on a canvas and sells for millions. Um, so, are you investing in NFTs? Is that part of your portfolio at this point? So someone just asked me this uh, a couple of days ago who was pretty familiar with that space. And as I explored Bitcoin and started to come to the realization that, man, I might be making a decision in the coming months, you know, regarding, you know, changing my salary and converting it totally to Bitcoin. Um, at first it was, you know, going to be a certain percentage. I didn't instantly think a hundred percent, but I knew that, um, that required my, my capacity, my energy. Yeah. So I really went into that because I wanted to make a, a good decision, um, that I felt comfortable with because I did the due diligence and had the level of conviction needed to do so. So I would, and I don't want to ever misspeak. So like the NFT, space is fascinating to me i've done a little bit of research but that's something that i'm not too sophisticated in and i have personally not had any exposure to nfts um but that is something that i definitely plan on uh shifting my focus towards um because i know that you know quickly i think you know there was there's definitely some nfts that i think are not uh worth the purchase price, right? Like there's, there's definitely some, um, I don't, I just don't see the value in some of them. It just didn't make sense to me. Like you said, it's like, man, you're seeing these crazy, you know, um, purchases, but there is another side to it that is valuable and you can see how it could really benefit artists. And also, you know, when you look at athletes and, uh, memorabilia and making sure you're getting, 
you know, what you're paying for the ver the ver the, the ability to verify, mm-hmm. um, is, is interesting to me. And then, uh, you know, there's certain artists that, you know, they sell something and then in how many years you see it just 10 X or hundred X, what you, you know, receive for it, but you do get nothing in royalties for it. And I like that component where yeah, know, every, every, yeah, like every single transaction after you're going to get a piece of that, which I think is, deserving of the people that create that, that beautiful artwork and those that value regardless of what it is yeah and i think it's going to incentivize you know artisans and other um, creatives to really feel comfortable and pursuing what they love because you know they can actually you know benefit benefit from it monetarily yeah it's been fascinating i'd be remiss if i didn't ask a football question <laughs> <laughs> You got actually, by the way, I just uh, the last time I had a chief on, it was Laurent uh, Devarney Tardif talking about his uh, decision to go be a doctor. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, very so, some very interesting members of your, of your team. Uh, you guys just made a trade. You've got uh, more protection now for Pat Mahomes. You're coming off this disappointing loss in the Super Bowl, but you got to be feeling good going into the offseason now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited to uh, just be with the team and start to just meet as many players and, you know, staff members as possible and just kind of establish myself as, you know, a guy that, you know, brings a high morale and energy and, you know, it, I'm excited to just build that camaraderie. So it, it's, uh, I'm also very excited to get back to the state of Missouri. I played at Mizzou. So I know there's going to be a lot of synergy there and, I loved my time in Columbia and I've been to Kansas city uh, many times to visit friends. And I, I loved uh, my experiences there. So there's a lot of excitement for sure on this upcoming season. Um, yeah. I, I just, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. We'll get ready to walk into that locker room and get bombarded asking people asking about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I know how players are. They're going to talk to you about it. They're going to say, Oh, that's that guy. Hey, let's find yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, you know, one one of the benefits from doing a statement publicly is, you know, when you become so passionate about something and you you hear people falsely have these opinions um, that, you know, you try to like just, you know, change. No, like if you only knew what I'm knowing, like in reading and you, you kind of come across aggressive and maybe in quote salesy and, you know, I never want to be that guy, you know, so it's something where they know where I stand, you know, I'll have a lot of, uh, material, I'm sure, whether it be through tweets or articles or podcasts where I lie and I want to help people. And, and if they want to know, come to me and I'm going to talk about it and, and share, but I don't want to also force it. Right. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting though. Right. Walking in the locker room, how that's going to unfold. Well, this is uh, one of, if not your first, uh, sharing these, these excellent thoughts about crypto and, I really appreciate you coming on the pod. And uh, this is a new venture for, you know, Russell Okung and yourselves are these early adapters. I think there's going to be a lot more. And I, I think teams are going to be a lot more willing to accommodate this. Uh, I applaud what you're doing and uh, breaking out of the, the normal traditional shell. Andrew, I appreciate it, man. It's a, uh, it definitely was more uh, one of the more courageous um, moments that I've had today. And I feel that there's times, you know, in life that if you're, if you're operating like you should and, um, 
you know, when you feel a peace and conviction with such a decision that, you know, this is what life's about, right? You take, you, you, you optimize and take advantage of that opportunity and there's excitement in that. And I'm going to just enjoy, you know, what's the road ahead. And I know that I will always continue to better myself. And this is the beginning of a cool journey, as you said. So I appreciate yeah. you having me on the pod. It's been a lot of fun. No, I applaud you. And you're obviously well-informed and educated on this. So I appreciate it. So thanks for being on the pod, Sean Culkin, getting a Bitcoin salary, all his salary from the Kansas City Chiefs. Wish you the best. Talk to you soon. Sounds good, Andrew. Take care. Hope you enjoy that fascinating interview with Sean. He really knows what he's talking about, did a lot of research and well-prepared to be this sort of unique player that's doing this. And there will be a line at his door wherever he goes, not only his home locker room, but when he goes on road trips. People asking, players asking, can I do this? How'd you do it? Why'd you decide to do it? And teams like the Chiefs being more amenable to do this, paying by fiat, but the conversion into Bitcoin. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports Draft Week Edition. Enjoy the NFL Draft. Subscribe to my newsletter if you haven't already. You just subscribe at andrew-brandt.com every Sunday morning. The Sunday 7 newsletter comes to your inbox. Follow me on Twitter, of course, at Andrew Brandt. And Apple Podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated. Thanks to my producer, Brian Neal, my musical producer, the music you hear of my son, Sam Brandt. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.